Hello. This is episode 11 of the podcast called Blood and Rain. I'm your host, Arthur Dane. Far too many times we as men are finding ourselves feeling the subtle tugs on our hearts that we're slightly misaligning from ourselves. Our senses detect the slightest of changes to darker tones. We often tell ourselves it's, it's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. We're suddenly so hell-bent and being so sure that it is indeed in our imaginations that we must be appealing to a paranoia of sorts. Even if there's something gone wrong, the minor nature of this thing gone wrong is so small that it's not even worth thinking about. In that instance, the statement is correct. Such a small shift for the worse is something that is indeed nothing to nervously fixate on. The trouble, however, lies in a day, a week, a month, a year's time. The subtle shift in course in the span of a moment left uncorrected will leave a man in a barren rock he never intended to set a course for. The famed Seneca quote, If a man knows not which port he sails to, no wind is favorable, is typically applied to the man in limbo, the man who hasn't answered his own conscious questions of what kind of man he wants to become and where he must go to become that man. But this stoic staple possesses a far more urgent application that consistently goes undetected. The application by a man who has already chosen the port he intends to sail towards. Man wipes his brow and takes a breath after years of being off course, coming to the epiphanies of permanent decisions he's made without his own knowing. He gazes upon the no-man's land he shipwrecks upon, and he's taken aback by the pure nothingness it holds. No fellow men, no structures of congregation, no beasts to slay, no nature of beauty, no nature of gifting trials, nothing. Man has banished himself to his only solace being in his hallucinations before death. Today, these hallucinations are packaged to us in near little boxes of LED screens. Men numb themselves from the pain of having never corrected course. The dramatic irony is that charting a course to the port they're meant to arrive upon is one action away. Man was never without compass. He needed only look to the sun. The sun is the compass. The sun constantly reminds man of his ideal. The solar ideal is action. Action will bring the man back on his course when he is drifting. So every day, we must act. Every day, we must gaze upon the sun as it is our compass. And when storms rage above, we must seize the opportunity for growth by war and guiding, or being in faith on all that remains true despite it being that which we cannot see. The storm is the test, so the storm is a gift. For when the storm parts... Sunlight is like gold. That was a piece written this week called The Solar Compass that I posted on Thursday, March 4th. And it's a post that really has more to do with the realm of spiritual warfare. Now, I speak ad nauseum, especially last week in the episode with Forrest Munden, and him and I spoke ad nauseum about the solar ideal, and I posted this post actually in preparation to release 
the podcast with Forrest. It has to do with the realm of the solar sphere. It has to do with the solar ideal. It has to do with this renaissance of man. It has to do with this rising consciousness since the Great Conjunction. You, you, folks, you're going to hear about that quite a bit because that's the time we're living in. And it's a time that we're living in that we actually need to continually understand and define as it goes so it doesn't get away from us and we don't miss this opportunity that is a blessing. This post has to do not just with the solar ideal, but it has to do with spiritual warfare. Across faiths. I do a podcast every Sunday now in addition to Thursday for a reason. But across faiths. Whether it be Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, Norse Paganism, Zoroastrianism. There's a consistent speech of staying on the path. And when we're given these spiritual gifts, we're given these wonderful Sunday services, we're given these pilgrimages to Mecca, we're given these rituals of congregation, everything's so clear. Everything is so clear to see. Everything is so undeniable that it becomes illogical to say otherwise within these these moments of abundance of sun and then for lack of a better term because the earth is a gift we come back down from this this blessing some people call it coming back down to earth but I don't quite like that terminology so I'm just going to cut the earth part for now until I have a better replacement we come back down from the glory of these spiritual gifts. We come back down from the glory of gifts in the form of our fellow brothers, gifts in the form of our families, of a, of a simple sunny day, of prayers being answered, of circumstances changing towards good fortune. All these things, all these abundances of blessings give us this clarity that lacks when we're a bit further away from them when we're living the day in day out life and what's important what's important is that when we don't see the sun when there's a storm above or when we're in a haze of the postmodern era, or we're in a haze of bad company that we cannot change due to given circumstances. What's important is not only that we remember these spiritual gifts, but remember the truth that they made so unshakable to us in that moment. The truth that in these moments of the mundane are constantly under attack. I've spoken about many times on my Instagram story, for those of you who follow me, 
about Saturday being the darkest day. Now, Saturn, or Hades, or Satan, having a day, having one day distorted from the others, the day before the holy day, the day before the Sabbath, the day before the day of the sun. It's almost in the sequencing we must get through this war of the darkest day in order to receive the greatest light of Sunday. I've mentioned before on, on my podcast, I've mentioned this before on the Instagram story, I've mentioned this when I was um, very thankfully a guest on the Zenovio podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar with Zenovio, I would certainly recommend going to check out his channel on YouTube, and I would recommend following him on Instagram. He's certainly wise beyond his years, a younger Australian boy, very clearly coming into his own as a man. Um... I've spoken about this Saturday being the darkest day. And these were also some things that I instinctually noticed before I was given this knowledge, before it was made conscious to me. There's an Orthodox service every Sunday. It's called the Divine Liturgy. It's a service in which those in the immediate congregation receive communion, receive what's called the the flesh and blood of Christ. And you're not allowed to receive communion on that Sunday liturgy unless you attend the Saturday night vigil that begins at dusk, typically begins at 5 p.m. And this vigil is to fortify and strengthen and prepare the soul for the darkest night ahead, leading up to the morning of the greatest light for the divine liturgy, for the Sabbath, for the holy day, to receive communion. And there were a couple times that I went to vigils. This was before I you know, very much was nailed down to the bar industry uh, as a means of income for quite a while. But my first Orthodox Easter service, sorry, my first Orthodox service in general was a vigil, not a divine liturgy. And within this vigil, it's standing service for two hours. I've mentioned this, there's a lot of crossover, folks, my apologies for this. There's a lot of crossover with other podcasts, but I'm, I'm getting to this point for a reason. It's a very physical service for two hours, standing service, and I remember the first time I left, my first vigil, I felt spiritually out of shape. I felt like I had just done, you know, a workout for the first time in three months, but not for my body. My body was certainly in shape, but my spirit, I felt spiritually out of shape. It was nothing like it, and I went... I went and uh, I went over to my my bouncing job at the time. People who I was working with could see I was I was different. It was noticeable. I said, "Are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, I'm just uh, just feeling a little spiritually out of shape." They sort of looked at me funny and did not respond. Um, 
And then there were there were the many nights where I was a bartender and I was a bar back before then, where I couldn't attend vigil because I'd be called in to work at six thirty or seven, so I couldn't be at the the vigil from five to seven. And I began to notice subconsciously the density of the energy, the darkness of the energy of a Saturday night multiplied by the presence of spirits, people being under the influence, having their defenses sort of knocked down, and therefore being more exposed to this darkness, this darker energy on Saturday night, on Saturn's Day, Hades Day, Satan's Day. I started to feel this spiritual warfare. And I started to check in with myself, and I, I started to notice, okay, maybe this is just the sort of territory, the debauchery of working in bars, you know, that comes with the territory. And I started to take notes, just mentally and spiritually, comparing a very busy Friday night behind the bar to a very busy Saturday night behind the bar. And while obviously people are going to engage in debauchery on Friday nights, the energy felt significantly lighter on Friday night, surrounded by alcohol and debauchery, than it did surrounded by alcohol and debauchery on a Saturday night. Then I remember bartending for St. Patrick's Day in 2018, and this is when St. Patrick's Day believe fell on a Saturday. And at this point of this podcast, this is not being recorded on Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. In the middle of recording before, on Sunday... I felt this strange tug to stop. I felt this strange tug to... to stop recording altogether. And it was paired with a couple of text messages, and it was paired with a couple things that needed to get done immediately, so I stopped for a second and said, I'll get back to recording in a second. Then I was sort of swept away and needed to get to work. Needed to do the brunch shift. Bartending. Well, many bartenders shudder at the thought of hearing. And I spent that Sunday feeling drained and miserable. And I spent the Monday morning feeling miserable until I decided for a change of scenery. A change of scenery came a blessing. You see, since since the time that I posted this post that I read at the beginning of this podcast, since that and releasing the podcast with Forrest Munden speaking of the solar ideal, I've been sort of in and out of the spiritual war. Some spiritual warfare of my own. For many of you who follow my Instagram story, I've had a little change of pace on Friday. Friday I went to a place in San Francisco called Dolores Park. 
or Mission Dolores Park, if you want the full name. And it's this park in pretty much the heart of San Francisco. It sits on a hill in a neighborhood called the Mission District. And it's 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 a pretty storied place because because the vantage point you can see downtown San Francisco, you can see the water, you can see this wonderful view of San Francisco provided that it's not a day of San Francisco's famous fog. There are a lot of things at play I'm speaking of, so bear with me. They'll all come full circle within this podcast. So I'm on I'm on this, this sort of trip, you know. I get off of work Friday morning, and I have to begin at the bar that is finally reopened. Finally decided to reopen a couple days after they're allowed to reopen in San Francisco. So I knew I had to be back behind the stick. I knew it would be pretty crazy. People were back in the game. Back in the drinking game. So I decided I'm going to treat myself. and I'm going to go to Dolores Park. And I'm going to run hill sprints. There's a post on the Instagram about hill sprints as well. But to put it shortly... You can build muscle through hill sprints, you can build your conditioning through hill sprints, your speed, and it's pretty injury proof because your your stride is never fully extended due to the incline. You're also getting the full benefits of resistance from sprinting. And I'm on the bus riding to Dolores Park. And as I mentioned before, go follow Zenovial, that's Z-E-N-O-V-I-E-L that I had a meditation while I was living in New York City, while I was doing the Doomer thing, as I mentioned in part two of episode five of this podcast, and one of the lowest points of my life, the dark night of the soul. I listened to three Nine Inch Nails EPs in a row that actually make up a whole concept album that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, the main composers behind Nine Inch Nails, had planned. The EPs titled, Not the Actual Events, Bad Witch. Sorry, not the actual events, Add Violence, and then Bad Witch. Not the actual events is a lashing out that the world has changed for the worse. It's this aggressive lamentation towards this sort of dystopian world. Add Violence, by the way, not the actual events is about five songs. Add Violence is another five-song EP. And the first four songs, it's this aggressive confrontation of what were believed to be the external factors that caused this swift change for the worse in this three-dimensional material world. But the fifth song on Add Violence is a song called The Background World. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, once again, the background world is a world I refer to that's sort of on the other side of the wall. It's this ripple in time and space in the background of everything. It's the meaning behind the material. It's the higher realm. It's conscious. And the background world, as I said before, is 14 minutes long. And it's the fifth song of the EP Ad Violence. The second of the three EPs that make up this fascinating world painted by these three EPs. 
And he starts with, you left me here. What was I supposed to do? I never dared to look inside. Just like you told me to. I'm going into you again. I know you saw it too. And I will keep myself awake. I know it's coming. I feel it reaching through. There is no moving past. There is no better place. There is no future point in time. We will not get away. The world is bleeding out. It folds itself in two. Behind the background world. It's always bleeding through. And the rest of the lyrics are this sort of trance-inducing repetition of the words, Are you sure this is what you want? 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 Hard as you try not to see it. You hear in the composition, and you hear in the lyrics themselves, and the way that they're sung, the way that they're delivered, this sort of abandonment of the belief on everything that he, you, one can see immediately in front of him, the tangible, three-dimensional, touchable, tactile world, as he sort of discovers the background world. And this repetition keeps happening. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure this is what you want? And it comes to this sort of ringing climax. And then there's just this repetition of the instrumental chorus. And it fades into static for like the last four minutes. I remember I played this on a bar shift around the time this came out in the summer 2017. While my barback and I were opening up the bar you know when no customers were inside and he's a foreigner and he's like Arthur are you sure this isn't just just uh are you sure there isn't something wrong with the stereo and I said no no it's part of the song he's like it just sounds like noise I'm like it is noise <laughs> the last five minutes of static that is and that static is actually a bridge to the beginning of the third EP the third and final EP that makes up this album called Bad Witch, a song titled Shit Mirror. This realization that the mirror that we've seen ourselves as humanity is a, is a pretty shit mirror. And you sort of hear this more elevated self. It's a confrontation once again, but it's a confrontation at the fact that they've been looking at everything the wrong way. That Things are getting far worse before they get far better, and now we have a far greater understanding. That maybe they got ahead of themselves. We all got ahead of ourselves. The title of the second track is Ahead of Ourselves. So let things play out. Why don't we let things play out a bit? Why don't we play, as he calls, play the goddamn part? But as we play the goddamn part, 
Let's lament. Let's beg for God to break down the door. God break down the door. Everything all at once. Because there aren't any answers here. Not the ones you came looking for. That being the fourth track, God Break Down the Door. And comes a six minute, very intense, very disorienting interlude called I Am Not of This World. Almost as if God is answering. Almost as if God is saying, okay, you've asked. Your prayers are being answered. Your prayers are being answered. But know that I am not of this world. And the last song is almost as if God has done his work, the divine has done its work to elevate our thinking. He says, over and out. As if, that's all you need for now. So over and out. And that's a seven minute track that's, oof, Listen to that seven-minute track over and out, the final track on Bad Witch, the final of the three EPs, a, a play in three acts about this three-dimensional world that's asleep turned dystopian in order to wake up and become utopian. That was the storm. That was the storm that humanity needed to get through. This dystopian storm. And now comes this utopian world. I listened to all 16 of these tracks. I listened to them as I wandered the city of New York. I was going in and out of subway stations, you know, crawling down the stairs to subway stations, taking it to one stop, you know, getting to West Village, coming out at West Village, walking around, walk all the way to East Village, get in the subway, take it down to the southern tip of Manhattan, then go to Midtown, then go to Chelsea, Hell's Kitchen, parts of Brooklyn, you name it. And I was wandering while listening to this album. This album in the form of three EPs. And I've mentioned... I mentioned this with Forrest. I mentioned this on countless other podcasts. I mentioned this in The Scroll of Blood and Rain. That World War III is here. It's a war fought in and for every man's soul. That part was told to me. That part was told to me the first time I listened to these three EPs, meaning the full album in succession, uninterrupted, in the, one of the hardest parts of my life. And I remember distinctly, when I was listening to Over and Out, a song that's instrumental with the exception of just a simple set of lyrics. Very brief. Comes to this climax and says, Time is running out. I don't know what I'm waiting for. I think this keeps happening. Over and over again. Feel like I've been here before. Over and over again. Am I remembering you correctly? Over and over again. I've always been ten years ahead of you. Over and over again. I remember 
this was at the very moment in this meditation, I prayed. I prayed to be guided. I prayed not to be led astray. And I listened to this. And I meditated with it in the background. It's the first time in meditation that I saw sacred geometry pop up. I saw an infinity symbol pop up. Meaning, I thought I had left my path. And in a lot of ways I had. A lot of... This whole account, this page, this podcast, it's all this return, this expression of me returning to the path of blood and rain. But it's almost like I needed to know the void and doldrums off of my own path. And I was, I thought I was sprinting directly away from it, but I sprinted around this curvature back to center. I saw this infinity symbol. And at the climax of this song, I came out of a subway station near Chinatown in Manhattan. And then I saw the words at the end of it, World War III is here. It's not fought with guns or swords. It's fought in our hearts and for our hearts. And that translated to me, in our souls and for our souls. I spoke about this on Zenovial's podcast. And one of the people who follow me on Instagram, who I, I've grown to have a great friendship with, who's, who's younger than I am, who has gone through some similar things that I have, said, I, I, hey, I'm moving to New York City. I'm very worried about what it's going to do for me spiritually. And I said, well, that's certainly, that's, that's certainly a, a worry that's valid. It's, New York City's dense, it's intense, there's not a lot of nature, and even the nature, you're sort of aware that you're in the middle of this dense urban environment, you know, even, even in Central Park, which is massive, so, I, I advised him in, in, in prayer, I advised him to also as I've mentioned this before in a post about cities, because this sphere seems to hate cities, and I understand it's hated the distortion of cities, but cities can be a beautiful thing, and I think they will return to be, to being a beautiful thing. But I said, people in New York City, this very dense urban environment, the people who have been successful from it are the people who've taken its challenges, taken its pressures, and absorbed them for the greatest growth. And I kept reminding him of that. And I said, spiritually, there's a place I used to love to go to, a park in the East Village. Very peaceful place. It's sort of, even though you can see buildings immediately, there's some energy about it that was very rejuvenating. And he said, he lived near Central Park, so might as well go to Central Park. And I said, all right, go to Central Park, find your spot, do your Wim Hof, pray, meditate, do everything that you need to do. Then in a sort of one-off, I advised him to listen to these three EPs in a row. I said... Listen to them in succession. Do not be interrupted. Don't don't start if you're, you're going to be interrupted. And I said, keep 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 focused during the background world, despite it having, uh, despite it having a long series of static at the end. And I said, and over and out, really try to elevate your thinking as high as you can. 
the greatest reward. And I said over and out, the song itself is a blessing, but it's even it's that blessing is tenfold if you listen to all all fifteen tracks prior to that final track. On a side note, I think Trent Reznor knows something that I, that we don't, but that's that's a different note entirely. And he said, Roger, we'll do. So, circling, or rounding back, sorry. Rounding back, not circling back, we know the meme behind that. Rounding back to this past Friday when I'm on a bus to Dolores Park to run Hill Sprints. See a message saying that he's in the middle of the background world. You said, I said to myself, you know what? You know what, I'm going to do the full meditation too. I have the time. I'm going to run hill sprints. So while I'm on the bus, I start playing Not the Actual Events. I get through Not the Actual Events. Through the bus ride and through the walk from the bus stop to Dolores Park. Through my prospecting of what the best spot to run hill sprints is. I sit on my bag. And then I start warming up. I do my strides. I do my mobility stuff. And then right when the background world hits, it's about time to it's about time to do my 12 hill sprints. 12 20 meter sprints with a 50 second rest. And that lasts pretty much the entirety of the background world. And half of the first track of Bad Witch. So the st- I'm getting most of the static there. And it's a very sunny day in San Francisco. It's a blessing of a sun. I posted on my Instagram story. It was just beautiful. It was warm. It was wonderful. It was absolutely incredible. It was a blessing. And then afterwards, I take my shoes off. And I start doing some grounding. I talk about grounding. Obviously, the grounded athlete talks about grounding. Soul Bra talks about grounding. You know, plenty of uh, Nature Pill talks about grounding. Plenty of us in the sphere. Evil Academy. We all talk about grounding and how beneficial it is. Jack Donovan... If you want to talk about precursors, he talks about grounding. And I ground for the rest of the final EP. And I just, I, I honestly, I get to a level of grounding that I've never felt before. I really did feel the unshakable earth beneath me. I shouldn't say not before, but it had been a long time since I really had that amount of time to ground to that level. And when you ground to a certain level, you're stable enough to receive messages of the divine. Without it, you'll be swept away or you'll spin into madness. You have, you have no stable foundation of receiving divine messages. Sometimes I think, and this is actually, these are the words of this, this younger friend of mine in New York City who reached out to me. He said, you know, sometimes I believe that it's Sometimes I believe it's the homeless people who are getting the divine messages, but they don't have a stable foundation. So they're actually screaming, not insanity, but divinity to you much of the time. I was like, that's interesting. I said, because a homeless person knew my name. They shouted on me, Arthur! Which I found fascinating. There was, I, no one said my name. I didn't have my name tag on, nothing. Just said Arthur. So I ground, and I get to the final track. I get to over and out, that reward track. 
and I get this instinctual feeling to rub my face. And I rub it constantly until this ring of light emerges in my closed eyes. I'm sure many of you know what that's like when you rub your eyes enough, you see all these patterns, you see that green ring. But I get this, this urge to rub it furiously. This third eye appearing. And I'm not going to get into the blessings that I received, the blessings of information regarding the past three years. Regarding this, this rise in consciousness since the Great Conjunction. Since all these gifts, these spiritual gifts. I receive these spiritual blessings and this spiritual enlightenment in this moment. And then my immediate thought after is I call my friend and I ask him, how was it? How was the first meditation? And him and I both had very similar experiences. I'm not going to get into them. For myself, I prefer to keep it private for now. And for him, it's not my story to tell. And I prayed the cross. I prayed the cross in this. For anything that I received that is deception to be discarded. And anything that's enlightenment to remain. And there were other blessings of enlightenment throughout, throughout the next 24 hours that brought me to tears, to be honest. And I'm not, as I mentioned on the podcast before, I'm not much of a crier. I don't really cry when I get sad, I cry when I'm moved. And I was certainly moved by blessings. And I, I asked him too, I said, well I didn't, I didn't ask him I, I, while well, I was on the phone, not Forrest Munden, I know I'm, I'm going a bit all over the place here, and once again my apologies. But I'm on the phone with this friend of mine, and I say, you know, there's not a single cloud in the sky in San Francisco. He says, dude, there's not a single cloud in the sky in New York City right now. And we both said, this is the day. I'm like, yeah, this is the day. This is, this is definitely the day. It was March 5th, this past Friday. Three-dimensional to, to five. The whole fifth-dimensional upgrading consciousness has been sort of made this dirty word for new-agey liberal white girls. I'm certainly finding it to be true more and more, to be abundantly honest. Transcending time and space with time being the fourth dimension. Some physicists speak about it, FYI. It's fascinating. But I essentially go through that Friday... You know, unharmed during my bar shift. Spiritually unharmed, I prayed for protection. And then comes Saturday. Saturday started off beautiful. Then I had to go to my bar shift. And I started feeling, as I said, the darkest day in tandem with being surrounded by spirits. The spirits of alcohol, they're called spirits for a reason. And... I started feeling more and more drained and more and more cynical and more and more negative and more and more just despondent. Almost touching upon the black pill again. And that actually carried into the holy day. I wasn't protected enough. There were chinks in the armor. There were poisons swallowed. Into holy day, the, whole, the day of the sun, the day of the Sabbath. 
throughout my brunch bar shift, leaving me drained into Monday morning. And I felt the need to have a change of scenery and be rejuvenated, much like Dolores Park. So I went to my mother's, had some good food, prayed and meditated with her, got some quality sleep, which I haven't been getting lately, honestly. And I woke up feeling okay. You know, I think it's time to complete this podcast. So now we bring it back to the original post I spoke of. The storms. The sun. World War Three, gentlemen, and for any of you ladies listening, is being fought in our hearts and souls, for our hearts and souls. You're going to be giving blessings upon blessings upon blessings in their purest form. And you're going to be given what I call blessings in disguise. Spiritual warfare. You need to orient yourself every single day on the blessings that were made clear to you in the brightest sunlight. You need to stay on the path being oriented by the clarity and truth of divinity. Through the dark storms. Through the darkest of storms. Through the densest of hazes. Swimming in the darkest waters nearly drowning. This is greatly important. Spiritual warfare. You can look at it in one of two ways. You can look at it as this insidious war of insurgency that will lead you astray for a little bit. And you can either plug your ears and go la 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 la, try to drown it out, be delusional that it's not there. And you can be let off course. It'd be a slight being let off course for a day. But being let off course months and years ahead of time will have you completely off the path you originally you'll be completely let off the direction you originally wanted to sail in to use the imagery of the original post being off course for a day is nothing being off course for a month a year is truly something But that starts with you correcting course on the day. Correcting course towards the truth you learn in divinity, the truth you learn in the brightest suns. So the storms are a gift. You can see spiritual warfare as a gift, a gift in which to press against and test your faith. Because folks, this war, as I said, is not in the physical realm. This war is a war of consciousness and therefore... Just downstream from divinity. I finished recording this having come off spiritual warfare myself. 
It's the way we fight these battles in spiritual warfare that determine whether or not we become the greatest, highest versions of ourselves. This takes prayer, this takes consciousness, and this takes the solar ideal, this takes action. This takes acting, reinforcing your highest self through actions that need to be manifested in this physical world. You need to act. You need to act through the darkest storms, drowning in the darkest waters, in the densest of hazes, and the bloodiest of spiritual wars. If you can act through all of that, you can act upon the memory, the being of divinity, the truth you received when you're connected to divinity as bright as sun, as clear as sun. Then we'll have won. We'll have won this war of consciousness, soul by soul by soul by soul by soul. For all of you who made it this far, thank you so much for listening. I know this is a very abstract, somewhat all over the place, drawing from a number of different areas and times and stories of a podcast. But this is the one of the ones that I felt needed to be a bit more freeform for it to be authentic. It couldn't be as planned. So authentic in which that I went through, I was losing some spiritual wars to the point where I couldn't record this. I was led astray. Because I knew this would be an important one. And I, I, I do think it will help, and I hope it does help you in your spiritual wars. So for all of you going through these spiritual wars, carry on. Endure. Act. Take action in accordance with your highest self among them, and strengthen the actions and the ideals and the truth of your highest self against this resistance. See this warfare, see this storm. See, this is a blessing. An opportunity to grow. An opportunity to grow and manifest your highest self indeed. And win this war of consciousness. This is the most important conflict of our time. And it starts with all of you. It starts in every single one of you, in each of you. And also know this. Spiritual warfare doesn't tend to come when we're not acting. Spiritual warfare doesn't tend to come when we're watching TV and being lazy and eating bad food and indulging in gluttony and abusive food or maybe for some of you substance or not living out your greatest truth spiritual warfare comes when you receive blessings spiritual warfare comes when you're on the right track remember that be encouraged by that and fight the war 
with a smile on your face. Once again, thank you all so much for listening. I look back and... December 1st, 2020, I had zero plans to do any kind of podcast. And it's been a very enriching experience so far. And I feel truly blessed. And I feel blessed to be listened... To be listened to. By all of you. With that, as I mentioned before, there are podcasts now planned until July 7th, as I have a very dense schedule and have a lot of things planned. This week, we're going to have the podcast on Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The podcast that was originally supposed to be the Sunday podcast, which was a look at Kaizen and Georges St-Pierre. Now, one of, the cra- one of the content creators I've had many synchronicities with is one People of the Fields. Him and I have been reading the same books without knowing it. He posts about it, and so on and so forth. He posted the concept of Kaizen, and I said this is one of my favorite concepts. And he said, I just finished the book The Way of the Fight by George St. Pierre. <laughs> and I told him that's one of my favorite books, so... I decided as a last minute to invite people to Fields to be a guest to discuss Kaizen and Georges St-Pierre. We'll be having the first collaborative writing piece from Blood and Rain come out this week with a podcast tied to it as well. It's a collaborative piece with Joe Abra and I, the title of which was his own creation, The Golden Cage, that is... 50-50 co-written by himself and I. That podcast will be coming out at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time this Sunday. Also coming out at that time will be episode 14 of the Blood and Rain podcast, which I'll just say for now is a special announcement. So episode 12 this Thursday with People of the Fields, and episode 13 and 14 this Sunday with Joe Abrah. I do hope you enjoy it. So for now, fight the good fight in all your spiritual wars. And good night and good storms. Thank you.